Hey, Levi. Hey, Abby. Well, we did it. We made a podcast, but I hear it only counts if you have more than one episode. Good thing we're on episode number two right now, and we've got six more coming, so we are set. Yes. And welcome, everyone, to The Soul Files with your hosts, Levi and Abby. It's a podcast where episode by episode, we get to know a fellow colleague. We're profiling a new soul meet each and every episode. And this week on The Soul Files, we're getting to know Alex Alexandrov, our COO. His first job was at McDonald's. He was born in Ukraine, and he speaks four languages. All of that and more on the second episode of The Soul Files, Alex Alex. For our second episode, Levi and I were able to sit down with Alex Squared on a lunch break at the North American sales kickoff in Dallas. And you know, there were so many highlights of NSK, but I gotta say, one of them was seeing this special moment that we witnessed between Dieter and Alex. Dieter was without a lunch. Alex gave him his plate of lunch. It was just so thoughtful. Yeah, it was a very touching moment of, of sharing one salmon. It's, it's good to know that uh, if you ever found yourself without a plate, that Alex would have your back and, and share his lunch. Yeah, it just speaks a lot to what the leaders of this company are all about, you know, putting others first. Yeah. And uh, so today for this episode, what we wanted to do is make it slightly different. We wanted to play a longer section of audio from our interview with Alex, you know, for a couple of reasons. One, Abby and I are so lucky that Alex gave us 30 minutes of his time to just sit down and, and talk. And we want to share as much of that with, with you, the listener, as possible. And also, you know, you might not know this, but Abby and I, we have other jobs than the podcast. We are both BDMs and we need to hit that quota. So time is money. We can't be editing all, all day. <laughs> yeah, you know, the pressure is really on, especially these uh, early months when you start kind of back at zero. Uh, so maybe in December or in Q4, you guys will get a creative edit. But until then. Uh, yeah, if anyone wants to send leads our way, like we'll take them. Like, yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> Maybe we should do a new lead generating podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, uh, we'll jump right into it. Uh, we're really excited to share share this episode with you. Um, the next clip that you're going to hear, you're going to hear about Alex's introduction to Software One. It's pretty interesting. He was working in private equity and he found himself across the table at the negotiating table with our late CEO and founder, Patrick. Um, and that was his first experience with Software One, and, and they stayed in touch, and eventually Alex came on board. And one of the interesting questions we asked Alex was if he was ever part of a special team. And he had this really cool answer about this firefighting force he put together. Now, I don't want to spoil too much, but definitely listen for that. Yeah, and it was interesting, along the lines of a firefighting force, uh, a lot of his job is putting out fires. And so he was explaining how he really feels the pressure and the heat and how important it is that he doesn't let people down. Uh, so we'll go ahead and just, we'll start playing this episode for you and you can hear uh, a portion of that interview here. Okay, Alex Alexandrov, I'm uh, celebrating my third year this January. So I've initially joined in January of um, 2017. So my first training sessions were actually with Abby on the vision. <laughs> and with you, Levi, yeah, you were still there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my current role is uh, Chief Operating Officer. I'm responsible for all of our operational activities in GSDC, responsible for our technology investments with customer-facing platform, PiraCloud, and the internal technology, and uh, all of our acquisition activities. 
And you talked a little bit about your software one story yesterday, I think, how you were with CompuCom. Can you go into that a little bit more, just your journey into software one, maybe how you met Patrick and what happened from there? Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's it's a really I uh, I'd, probably an un, a bit unusual. Uh, I was um, my essentially my entire career in a private equity firm in Boston called Thomas Lee Partners, and I went into private equity initially twelve years ago because. I loved to see how uh, successful businesses have, are built. I was analyzing businesses. I was figuring out what makes a successful business and then how to invest in them. And <clears throat> I could do that in the public arena or in the private arena. And I chose private equity because it kept me closer to businesses and I could stay more involved with management teams with the actual operation of the business. And over the years, one of the investments was CompuCom. And CompuCom had a software division, which was not doing great. And we ended up uh, looking for a buyer. And that buyer was Software One. And so Patrick and I basically negotiated the deal together. Uh, and in the end, it was a somewhat complicated deal. And we had to change certain things because as the business, um, the business that we were selling to Software One, that part of the, it was changing very fast. And so we actually had to move the transition of that CompuCom software business to software one much faster than we initially wanted to. And so that meant changing some parts of the contract. And that was the first time where I, uh, I saw Patrick at his best because throughout the process, he always said, we do things the right way. I do things, I'm Swiss, don't worry about the contract. We will always do the right thing uh, for you and what makes sense for the business. And me being an M&A guy, I was always like, no, look, we have to document things. It's a legal contract. We have to be very formal about this. So we did have a formal contract, but in the end when we did have to change things and I had to ask him for certain things because we, it, was, it was a bunch of changes, he was completely open to it and ended up living up to what he said he would always do, which is do the right thing for the business, make sure that everyone walked away from the table feeling good. So that was my first introduction to Software One, my first introduction and interaction with Patrick being on opposite sides and him really living up to what he always said he would do. That was, uh, yeah, that was my first that was kind of the initial stages i we i then stayed in touch with patrick uh and looked at software one through the investor process when kkr invested um and i think throughout that time period we just stayed in touch i i just kind of monitored from from the sidelines and and then what really brought me to software one was i i'd say it was like a series of small events first I think I always wanted to do something in a company. I, I wanted to see how a lot of different companies operate. I wanted to see a lot of how successful companies are built to learn. And, and my best way to learn was still in private equity. At the same time, I always wanted to be closer to a company, closer to the team, closer to the people. And I felt like that was missing for me. So I knew I would do that at some point in my career. I just, I never knew when. And when I got to know Patrick and we stayed in touch, in him, I saw someone that I hadn't met before. Someone, a leader that was very visionary, that ha could inspire the people that were around him, um, and someone I could I could really learn the gaps that I had. So I, I, I was looking at myself saying, what 
what is it that I want to make sure I do over the course of my career? And I felt like I had some gaps. And then as I thought, where, where could I learn best? Where, who could I learn from? And that's what I saw in him really as an individual, one of the most impressive CEOs I had seen and someone I could really learn what I was looking for. That's, that was kind of the journey. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, it is. Um, so what's your, like the favorite part of your job right now? <clears throat> I know you're taking out a lot of new things yeah. this year. It's, uh, so 2019 was just, I mean, it seems like every year is a crazy year. And then 2019 was definitely a crazy year, yeah. just given the amount of things that we um, got done in the year between the business, the M&A, the IPO, and all of the activities with the, the, the people, the team. <clears throat> and I would say it was a tough year because as we got certain topics done, we got a lot of M&A done, we got the IPO done, there were, I, would, I, I, I joke now, all the fires are on my plate. So I have a lot of topics that are not fully solved, not working perfectly. And I was, I've been feeling the, the, I feel the heat, I feel the pressure, I, I like, I, I perform well under pressure, so I like it, but I also really feel like that, that I'm not doing a good job for everyone that's depending on me. And what really made my year was actually really amazing. At the end of the year, my final trip was to India, GSDC India, and it was like one of the, the, the last week before the holidays in, in December. Um, and I went to GSDC India, it was the first time in many months, um, and spending time with the team there, do like interact, like getting back in touch with the, all the people that were building uh, that team that's now 700 people strong, spending time with them, hearing from them, feeling their passion. I'd say that really made my year. Even though we had done all these different things, I think what really made my year is then coming back to the big team in GSDC and really sitting with them, interacting with them, and feeling their soft or one passion. That's, that made my year. That's cool. Um, and maybe this is similar to that or, or a different direction, but... Um... We sometimes talk about like special teams, like I know sports will say, oh, this was a really special team. And maybe for leaders, we're either a part of or led a special team. Could be outside of software one. But do you have a special team that comes to mind when you think about that? Uh, yes, um, I think it, um, I, I think initially I probably developed a little bit of a reputation of kind of trying to steal all the best people from different parts of the organization. So I definitely tried to develop this special team, the firefighter force. And, and, and today, I mean, it's, it's not fair to say that it's their, their special team because the people, they are performing so many different functions. But I'd say I often look um, to Mary to help me understand what's going on in the company, to help me understand the process. I look to Cameron for a lot of the Microsoft topics. I look to Silvio for what we need to do in GSDC with uh, multi-vendor. So I, there are definitely these go-to people that I actually learned from when I first came into the role, and I very much still rely on them. Um, I, I like that term, firefighter force. That's, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you describe your role to like friends or family who don't work here? Like, how do you tell? Like, what do you tell them you do? How do you how do you explain it? It's I I I don't know. I really struggle with it. So I I I probably most of the time say I work for a software technology company. And then if they say, well, what is it that you're really doing? I kind of say, yeah, I kind of do operations. I, I'm responsible for a lot of the operational tasks. And then they usually kind of 
get bored at that point and (laughs) we move on. So no, I'd say most of the time I speak more about the company and what we're doing as a company um, and 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 really about the the people and how like uh, the, the amazing talents that we have and much less about like what is my specific functional role. Yeah. Uh, I don't for some re- I mean I it, it's it's really eerie how similar some of like what Patrick instilled and some of the core values are to what like how I grew up and like what I believe in and I I also hate titles I don't think it means anything and so that's why for me when people are asking me what I'm doing I'm like I'm at software one we're doing like a lot of cool shit and here's what we're doing and and I'm just part of the team I'm doing whatever I need to do We just finished listening to Alex talk a lot about work, but we wouldn't really be able to get to know him if we didn't ask him questions outside of work. So we had a really fun time asking about what Alex Alex was like as a teenager. We asked him about his first job. He spoke to us about numbers because we know he's such a numbers guy um, and about some of the different languages he he knows. It was really interesting. I, I really did feel like I got to know him, Alex, the person quite a lot better. Yeah, and that's kind of the point of these, what we call rapid fire question rounds that we're adding to all of our interviews, is once we hear about their software one story and once we hear about their career, uh, we want to get to know them a little bit better outside of work. So let's play the, yeah, let's play the next section of the audio here. And then uh, once it's done, Abby and I are going get, to get together and discuss it a little more. All right. Do you think we can move to rapid fire yeah. for a little bit? Okay. So these are just like quick questions hopefully quicker fun. answers quicker yeah, questions yeah related to work for the yeah. most part well some yeah for the most part go ahead start it off um so you're the numbers guy yes that's what you're known as yeah uh is there like a favorite equation or favorite number or like uh-huh. a lucky number or anything like that no i don't think so i um the the reason i i uh, i i don't know why i i'm comfortable with numbers and i would say the only thing that i now notice about myself with numbers is I learned mental uh, math, and that's what I'm trying to teach my kids now, which is the ability to do math in your head. It doesn't have to be perfectly precise, but a quick way of getting to like 90% answer in your own head is what I think has made me like pretty good at it. So it's like, you know, whether breaking down a number, multiplying a number, adding different numbers, doing it with like patterns. Uh, is really helpful because then when somebody asks you, you're like, oh, it's roughly this. You either know the exact answer or you can roughly estimate it. So that's like that's my so thing with numbers. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Um, if you had to pick a theme song, like if we were doing a theme song for your podcast episode, you know, like this is introducing Alex. What what song would you pick? Oh my god, I meant to think about this. Um, uh, <laughs> it's okay. The, if you don't there's a, there's an Eminem song that I'm listening to with my son now. Um, it's from the Eight Mile soundtrack, and it's um, yeah, the it's like one one chance. Uh, lose yourself is lose, it the the famous one with like yeah. mom spaghetti that one um i don't can't remember if it's lose yourself or that's the mom spaghetti one. Oh, okay yeah right yeah because <laughs> he basically says you have one chance do not yeah. miss your chance do not miss your yeah, chance yeah, yeah. yes that's, <laughs> that's the good. one yeah that's the one i've been nice um what was your first job you ever had <clears throat> okay so uh wow not a well-known fact i guess um when I first moved to the U.S., I was almost 13, 
And um, at 15, I believe I was 15, because that's the legal age, but maybe I wasn't yet. Um, for the summer, I worked at McDonald's. Really? Yeah, behind the counter, with a, like frying the food, making the burgers, all that stuff, which is really funny if you know me today. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if we're healthy, yeah, like, yeah I, I, don't think, I don't really eat any McDonald's. I probably haven't had any McDonald's since I worked there when I was like yeah, 14, 15. And then I worked at, <clears throat> again, I mean, I had like all the typical summer jobs. I then worked at a barbecue place, then I was a waiter. Um, and then my real, my, I guess my first real job, but I, I'm very proud. I think, I mean, I think being a waiter and working in food service as a young kid was really important. Teaches you how to hustle. It teaches you customer satisfaction, <laughs> teaches you upsell. Yeah, tips, <laughs> cross, tips are commission. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it teaches you upsell, cross sell. But, um, then my first job out of college was, um, in investment banking at Goldman Sachs. I'm like a, you know, traditional finance guy, like trying to kind of, you know, learn as much as I could working 120 hours a week. Yeah. So where did you grow up? Because you said you moved when you were like 13. I grew up uh, in Kiev, Ukraine. Um, and my whole family and I moved to the U.S. Um, when I was 13, almost 13 years old. Where did uh, you move to? Um, San Antonio, Texas. Okay. So and, you, and you live in Texas now, right? In Austin, okay. yeah. So we moved to San Antonio. And that's actually probably why... I lost my entire Russian accent because there are not that many Russian speakers and I had to really learn English. And I was at this right formative age of 13 where I wanted to fit in and I wanted to make sure I could talk to all the girls. And so I, I needed to make sure I was cool in quote quotation marks. And um, so I was really focused on learning English, speaking it in, in, in with an American accent, the right American accent. Uh, and so that's how I picked up English in uh, San Antonio, Texas. And then um, after college, I, uh, I moved to Boston. And so uh, my family and I, we spent 13 years in Boston. And that was amazing. So I didn't pick up a Texas accent, didn't pick up a Boston accent. And then um, as I was joining Software One, we, we, we weren't sure, but we decided that we would move the family to Austin just because that's closer to my wife's parents. So that's easier for the kids. And now we're spent. Yeah, we're now we're in Austin. We love it. Good. Nice. I hope this one isn't like spoiling anything, but a lot of people refer to you, at least we think, as Alex. Alex. Yeah. Is that something that like your whole life have people always said like Alex? Alex? Or have yeah. you even heard that? I mean, yeah. I had. Uh, I I had like a few nicknames in in high school. Alex. Alex was one of them. Alex squared. <laughs> the Russian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Does your accent ever come out, or like, are you actively? Um, Russian accent? No. Um, yeah, I, I basically, I used to dream in Russian and then it's been a while, probably for um, five, 10 years, I, I now dream in English. I don't actively suppress it. No. In fact, um, I'm, I'm pretty good with languages, but I'm really bad with accents. So if you try to ask me to like imitate a Russian accent, I, I couldn't do it. I'd probably come out with like an Indian accent. <laughs> but you know a number of other languages then? Yeah. When I moved to... Um, San Antonio, it, it's, I think my brain was open. Like I was in like, my brain was open to new languages. So I learned English and then, I mean, you're surrounded by like a Mexican community. So I learned Spanish, um, and then started learning French and then my brain closed off. 
numbers. <laughs> so, um, do you use those in your software and travels a lot? Uh, I, I do now, and this has been one of the amazing things um, at Software One. I never did it before in my professional career, it was all in English. Um, but I now, I've used Spanish um, a decent amount. It's, it's actually not as good as it used to be, but I try to use it. I did a town hall in Mexico in Spanish. I prepared, but I did a town hall in Spanish. And um, I use Russian quite a bit. I mean, I still speak Russian at home with my kids. Um, and I use Russian now with our uh, Russian colleagues. Um, in Eastern Europe. That's yeah. Cool. cool. Yeah. Well, we probably are short on time, so maybe if you have one more question. Um, I was thinking I would just do two. Okay. If we have time. Last, we kind last. of talked this already, but we, we have been asking people to take us back to like their teens. What was teenage Alex Alex like? And you kind of explained that, but what kind of like genre were you, would you say? What genre I was? Oh my God. Well, uh, it there's probably two. The, the Alex in Russia was I think very different than the Alex that they could moving to the US the whole process was a com complete life changer I'd say in Russia I was I don't know I don't think I found myself yet I think I um, I realized that I was good at school but I wasn't focused on school so I actually probably shied away from school I was trying to do less academics and like more hanging out and getting into trouble in Russia. That, that was me. Um, when I moved to the US, um, it was such a life-changing thing and my parents did not speak English. And so I found myself as, as like the kid who had to help the parents. And so I had to help them with English. I had to help with like getting a job. And so I very quickly matured as I got to the US. And so the young Alex in the US was very much like, focused like super focused on like learn English do well in school um, but that was not the kid I was in Russia I was a little bit of a like a, a problem child troublemaking kid in Russia so I, uh, it moving the immigration process like really um, woke me up and then yeah then you have all the funny stories from my wife that I was I was trying to be as I was trying to fit in, um, I grew out my hair at one point, and she has some really <laughs> funny pictures. I was trying to be too cool for school. It was not a good look. So did you meet your wife in high school then? Uh, we met in college. College, okay. Yeah. So yeah. always just trying out so, new things. So. Yeah, yeah. So finally by that point, I had kind of probably gotten comfortable with, my, with who I am, started stop trying so hard. And that's when she says we finally got along. Oh. <laughs> um, and then the last question, which I think is just really fun, is what's the hardest you've ever laughed or like a recent time where you just laughed and it was just like a lot? <laughs> um, oh, my God. I don't um, – I feel like something just – I think in the last couple of weeks, um, we have a, a daughter who's almost seven years old and she's like wonderful little, you know – angel who love like for her everything's like she wakes up every day with a smile and uh and i forget what she was doing i think she was trying to make us laugh and some sort of like one of our guttural laughs and so that like we were just laughing with her so yeah. i think that was like the most recent i don't know i don't know if that was the hardest but that was the most recent that's good good well thank well, you yeah, very much so listening back to these interviews with Alex again, I mean, there's just so many thoughts running through my mind. And I just, I, I think, Abby, let, let's talk about some of our favorite moments. Yeah. So I think I loved hearing about him, like him, how he grew up, like having yeah. immigrated to the United States, 
um, and trying to, you know, fit in as a teen. Uh, and also fascinated that through it all, like, there's no accent. There's no Texas accent. There's no Boston accent. There's no Russian right. accent. I was like, wow, it's really interesting. Well, first off, I had heard the rumor that he was born in Russia, but I didn't think it was true. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I lived in Ukraine for 13 years. I was like, what? Like, yeah. Okay. And I thought it was cool because he, uh, he still speaks to some of our, our European colleagues in Russian. I'm like, that's so cool that you can... And then he spoke in Spanish to the GSDC. And um, so I, I love that like he's got all these different languages and experiences growing up that he can use um, in his career today. Yeah, talking about his brain being open to, to, to languages. And that was just very interesting. And then, of course, flipping over to the numbers side, like how he can do all that mental math in his head and he's teaching his kids. Like, but that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and, and looking at it as patterns so that you can easily do large numbers that's something when he said that i was like oh i'm gonna add that to a list of things i want to google and get better at <laughs> have you been working on it <laughs> admittedly no but i think about it a lot anytime there's like yeah. a really simple larger number math problem i'm like if i could only do patterns in my head i wouldn't be it, come, it, it comes up at work all the time where i'm like oh what's 90 percent of this number like okay like yeah it's it's definitely Something that would be useful to be better yeah. at. Even like if I'm like doing like a tip at a restaurant and I, I think I'm like clever by moving the decimal and timesing it by two <laughs> to get to 20%. I'm like, oh, if only I could do this on a much larger scale. Yeah. Alice can do that, you know, with 20 decimals. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but something else I really liked, you know, going back to, I think when you asked him, like what is his favorite part of the job? He talked about this GSDC trip that he made at the end of 2019. And about how, like, feeling the team's passion was, was one of his favorite moments. Like, that was really cool to hear. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it kind of spoke to a few things. One thing, like, transformation and all these these huge initiatives the company undertake. It takes time. Um, but it was cool to hear him say that even through all of it at the end, like, to see all of that come to fruition was, was worth it. Like, worth all of the time and the energy. Um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed hearing about that, too. Yeah, and like, you know, he, he obviously had some big things he was working on, the, the M&A stuff and becoming a public company IPO. But to, to bring it back to the people, I think that goes back to the core of why we're even doing this podcast. Like, it's the people. The people at Software One are so important. And I think, I think he made mention of that somewhere else where, like, it, it speaks more about the company than his own role, but the people and talents we have here. Yeah, um, it came up a few times. Even... Uh... It came up when he shared his salmon plate with Dieter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, exactly. Well, just take care of your own, you know? Yeah, and even the fact that, like, him and, and Dieter and, and Neil and everyone who we recorded uh, interviews with, like, it was, they were so willing to give us time. And I think that's just, again, going back to what's unique about Software One, a lot of companies, we wouldn't have that access. Yeah, that was pretty special when we, I think we reached out to everyone we wanted to interview this first season and within hours they all responded like yeah definitely we'll make it work let's find time so that was pretty cool yeah what were some other things that really stood out for you in this uh, alex interview um one thing that really stood out to me was that we think we know his favorite song <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't recall the title we know that it is by eminem yeah um, I, I you know I'm a bit like, 
I w- in in hindsight, I wish we would have started like you know singing it more or rapping it. But I just kind of I was a bit nervous. He started singing it. He wasn't sure if it was the right one. Like you were like, is I it think... the mom's spaghetti song? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think it's lose yourself. I think it's lose we'll, yourself. We'll never too. know. <laughs> like I would say, we should probably we should probably send him a link and confirm that because yeah, I think I think the people of Softer One deserve to know. <laughs> Even better if he's listening to this, he can he can comment and he can he can confirm or deny. If <laughs> this that's is a song. really good test to see if anyone listened to this podcast. <laughs> we better get a comment, um, from Alex. Alex. Yeah, I mean the other thing, like just from my takeaways, looking back at it here, um, you know, just how he describes Software One as a technology company, but you know, and then he goes more into like, well, it's less about, it's less about the individual role and it's more about the cool stuff we're doing as a company. Like, and that's like awesome. Like we should all be so proud of, of what software doing as a company and, and focus on that. That's all for today. Another successful episode of the Swell Files. Episode two in the books. And we've got at least six more recordings to release throughout the rest of this year for you. Yeah, big thanks to all of our listeners. We kind of did a little special poll on Which One Wednesday about um, who you wanted to hear next. We, we've taken all of your feedback. We've heard, we've listened. And the winner, uh, who you wanted to hear next is... Ashley Gary. So join us yes. next time to hear from Ashley. Um, and in the meantime, uh, don't forget to give us feedback uh, about the podcast. We'll be posting links across all of the internal socials on Yammer, on Fuse. I'm sure you'll see it in a few emails here and there. And last thing, we just, we need your help. Um, If you have any great ideas about an awesome sign-off that we can do or a way to wrap up this podcast every episode, please let us know. We're open to any ideas and we want to make this better each and every week. Yeah. Thanks, everyone.